Hey, welcome to Dying to Ask. I often joke that everything I know about being a parent, I literally learned in the front seat of a Ford Explorer. That's the kind of SUV that news crews usually drive. And I have probably spent, no joke, years of my life sitting in the passenger seat of the Ford Explorer, going to and from stories, talking to photographers for hours, and a lot of the time listening to one side of their phone calls with their families, with their wives, with their kids. And I didn't really know I was learning, but as I listened to my photo partners, all of them dads, by the way, I was absorbing toddler tantrums, bullies at school, high school drama. I wish I'd paid a closer attention to what they were saying about the teen years. <laughs> and then, you know, their kids getting into college. Now some of them have kids who have actually finished college. They launched and they're adults. So like they saw them through the finish line. And in a weird way, I kind of did too. So my point is that if you have a job that you do for any amount of time, you learn a lot about life on that job because that's where you spend your best waking hours. Holly Parker, my guest today, had a similar connection after she went through a divorce. She's a real estate agent in New York City, like the million dollar listing kind of agent. She has sold eight billion, with a B, dollars of luxury homes in her career. And it occurred to her that falling in love with a partner is kind of like falling in love with a home, selling it trying to buy a home. You flirt with the listing, you meet up, you imagine yourself having breakfast together, you make the offer, you close the sale, or you don't. Her new book is called Back on the Market, A Realtor's Guide to Love and Life. And it's basically her story of falling in love, falling out of love, going through a divorce, and fondling love again while connecting with real estate terms that we all relate to. There was a lot of correlations, and the way she ties it together is just brilliant. So this is basically the book that Carrie Bradshaw would have written had she done open houses, which in those shoes, no way. On this Dying to Ask, the light bulb moment, quite literally, that Holly had about love and real estate. How the men in her life, former and current, feel about what is basically a tell-all about her love life and her business. And we'll also talk about the shared pandemic hobby the two of us have, that we have both kind of unwittingly falling in love with in the last year and how it's brought a lot of joy to our lives. Closing the deal on romance, that is what we're doing with Holly Parker on this week's Dying to Ask. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I know two things. One, that phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead, is starting to seem likely. And two, the best conversations take time. Dying to Ask is my chance to have longer, more meaningful conversations without a producer yelling rap in my ear. Personal change requires personal growth. And these days, Plan B is the new Plan A. Ready to do life bigger and better despite the Rona? This is Dying to Ask. Holly, where are you today? I am in Washington, Connecticut at my farm, 86 acre farm from 1729. Oh my gosh. How does it, how does like New York City's hottest real estate agent end up on a farm in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> oh my God. Serenity now. Serenity now. Um, I still live in the West. Bavila now. Bavila now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I still live in the West Village, which we absolutely love, but we do need a place to retreat and connect to ourselves, as I say in the book, and to nature and really kind of have our downtime. 
And so were you one of the many New Yorkers we heard about who were like, head out to the hills? (laughs) Or were you already out there at that point? I was already out here. I came here. I actually um, would go to the Mayflower when I was trying to conceive my boys, their twins, their birthday is on Thursday. And when I was doing IVF and I got a negative result, which for all of you who go through it, shots and money and no sleep and bloating. So when they're like, oh yeah, this didn't work. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh my God. So I would come out to the inn nearby and one thing led to another. And here I am a farm owner. So it sounds knew? wonderful though. It, it sounds was... like a great place to go escape. Well, yeah, everybody told me that I had to rest my body and you know there's no resting on an old farm <laughs> there's no i know they were like i thought that i would come in here but it is it's restful in other ways but when you're at that <laughs> point i was an 18 year veteran in real in the real estate business and although i love it it's not the most relaxing career no <laughs> so just had to come down from that to uh try and conceive yeah i love it i love it well i know you do have a twin boys now and um that's not restful either so <laughs> congratulations know, right? on the kids still trying to rest still trying yeah, to rest. well you know they say someday it's probably about you know 18 years from now but anyway, right right well i'm a boy mom as well so i totally get it totally. oh that's awesome um so you know i i absolutely loved your book and typically when i prepare for one of these interviews i would read the book and i did read the whole book oh, um but you. to get ready for you i wanted to kind of get myself into the the mindset so you know what i did yesterday I binge Sex in the City all afternoon. Oh my God, it's so I threw good. on Sex in the City season six and I got through about half of it. I'm like, okay, I am ready for Holly Parker now. Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> glad. And that's my dream. My dream is to be a series, um, an eight part series because I just, I, I even picked out Burning Down the House is oh, love the it. song for the series. Uh-huh. I can see and, it. Um, and I have the whole soundtrack for it. So that is that is me manifesting well, my dream. Okay, this book, Back on the Market, to me is like Zillow and Sex in the City having a baby. Like, that's what this is. Oh, <laughs> I me. love that. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Um, you know, th- I feel like so many of us out on the West Coast, maybe in the middle of the country, have become really obsessed with New York City real estate, thanks wow. to shows like Million Dollar Listing. Yes, um, yes. Have you have you been in one of these shows? Because I, I feel like I feel like you are one of these shows after reading this book. Yeah, it's they. I was on it really early, and I hadn't. I mean, one of the first episodes, and my team, when they were going to shoot, they were like, honey, the team's coming. You need to brush your hair or at least put on some makeup. And I was like, oh, I've been on dozens of these things. You know, no one's going to see it. And they're like, um, it's a really popular show. (laughs) Please just put on lipstick. And then I went to go see my husband's family in Holland. And they're like, oh my God, Million Dollar Listing is our favorite show. (laughs) <laughs> wow okay this is a big show so good thing you put lipstick on I'm so glad I put lipstick yeah on. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that like in your world right now is that like a big deal to be a part of one of these shows like what's the power of them the power is just national exposure and so you know it's super popular and it gets people in to watching real estate and seeing these beautiful places which you know, is there was this Saturday Night Live lately and it's going around saying like, you're old and you don't want sex anymore, but you do want to watch Zillow. Yes. Zillow. <laughs> it's so funny. Isn't and it the it, truth? It's like these centerfolds of these beautiful property. Of course, it's, you know, right. you don't want to live in Georgia, but what if you did? <laughs> <laughs> 
are they even for somebody who's at your stature are they still like are they do they, are they rainmakers still these shows like do people call are they do, are people calling from china because they saw you on one of these shows or maybe like your relatives in holland because they see somebody on there well yeah i think for them absolutely um their careers blew up and um they called me a couple of years ago because they wanted to add a woman and i thought you know what you're already in what episode you know, it's like Three's Company at the end, but they were still really popular, right? Yeah. And so I always wondered, was that the wrong move? Because I decided that that wasn't going to be for me. And I have my moments where I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have at least uh, taken the, the audition. But I think uh, I'm slated for something else. So hopefully back on the market will kind of grow legs and have its own own life somewhere. Is it really a big deal, even if you're as successful as you already are, to be on a show like that? I think, well, it's certainly been incredibly helpful for the people on the show. They've had tremendous success, you know, nationally and internationally from that. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't it funny how, like, um, even, you know, when we would have been in our 20s, people in, in your career, or my career, like, just being really a really, really good real estate agent or being a really, really good journalist was enough. But now, like, there's such a personality to the marketing of all of mm -hmm. this that that whole persona is a big deal to market yourself while marketing something else for a client. Right. Well, I think that the internet has changed all of that, right? I mean, look at and, and reality television. So chefs became celebrity chefs, models became supermodels, right? And so whoever you are, whether you're a farmer, a chef, or, you know, a TV host, all of a sudden people want to know more about you and they kind of want to look behind the curtain and go, well, what else does she What do? else do you do? Right. Right. <laughs> well, you definitely went behind the curtain with the book, no doubt about <laughs> yeah, that. Maybe, I mean, maybe too much. <laughs> holy cow, there isn't much that it seems like it got left out about there. But Sorry, I'm mom and dad. <laughs> I'm wondering when did it occur to you um, that there was this weird link between what you did for a living and how we look at homes and just your love life in general? When did it all of a sudden click for you? I mean, it, you know, for the most of 25 years, I've made the correlation because the questions that people ask and why they ask, you know, so um, how many people have seen this property? <laughs> It's like, why? Why do you want to know that? And then I'd be going on a date and people would be like, so have you been dating much lately? And it's like- this How many people have seen this property? Right, right. <laughs> how, do, how do you get a private viewing? Or I'd like, <laughs> I'd like a second showing. I'd like to come back and see it in the dark. In the dark. <laughs> Over Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> so the questions on both sides were so similar. And I found myself explaining, you know, during the day, to my sellers and they were wondering why. They said they came here, they stayed for 45 minutes. You need to call them again. And you need to say, tell them that they need to make an offer. And I'd say, guys, 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 you can't come on that strong. You're gonna scare people away. This is an attraction process, right? What you're asking me to do is really call someone like at two in the morning and say, do you wanna come over? And then be disappointed the next day if you don't get a ring. We're gonna get a response. It's not gonna be the one that we're looking for. If you want your price, we need to hold on to our dignity a little bit. <laughs> not get desperate. And then on the other side, you're counseling a friend and they're saying, should we text him? I'm gonna text him again. I'm gonna text him again right now. And you're like, hold on, sister. You know, we gotta sit back, we gotta connect to our property here. A, um, 
you know, a desperate person is a lonely person. Both, I always say that the saying of it only takes one when people don't want to do the work, whether they're right. a seller or a buyer, I'm like, you know, we really need to reduce the toys in the bedrooms. They're like, you know, people can see past this. They just can. And we just feel like our buyer can see past it and it only takes one. I'm like, because their buyer is special. Right. And a I'm unicorn like, buyer. <laughs> it only takes one is the saying of the lonely. <laughs> and the long listed, okay? Because <laughs> pull your property off the market and you gotta do the steps that I talk about in back on the market to get yourself really connected and attractive to the world. It is a formula and it's, I mean, I've taken, you know, properties that were so difficult to sell and I have not gotten my sellers out of one bad decision. I've gotten my sellers out of like six bad decisions all <laughs> chained together. And the whole point is to pull yourself off, do your to-do list, do your staging, turn on your lights, right? Connect yeah. to your property and be confident. Right. So the book begins, I mean, way back, it goes back to, to meeting your first husband and falling in love and trying to close that deal. It goes, it, so it really kind of tells that story and, and then kind of goes into the demise of that marriage and, and it falling apart and you realizing that perhaps that was not the right house for you at that point yeah. in your life, you know, it was curbside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then you start like chapter by chapter, you start kind of breaking it down and kind of teaching these lessons. And I think that that's what's so much so interesting about it is that like there's so much psychology in the way that we interact with other people when you're looking for a partner or a partner is looking at you. It's very similar to when we're looking for the place where we feel at home. Right. You know, we want that. I'll know it when I see it. First love. And that was it for me. You know, it was I was a first time buyer. I was very naive in thinking because I'd fallen in love, let's just roll this into a lifetime without really doing both of us to do the inspection because we weren't the right match for each other. We loved each other. We still love each other, but it just, it wasn't a lifelong property, collector property for either of us. So there isn't like a naiveness in both of those things. And when first time buyers come to me and they're like, and I want this and I want that. And I know I'm going to know it when I see it. And like, oh my God, I was you. I was so you. But yeah, there's very similar. So when you start talking about like dating these days, um, where do you really begin? Like, what's the first analogy we should make? Is it with staging? So, you know- I Because anybody who's watched 10 seconds of HGTV knows right? you're not selling it you if you it. don't stage it. Right. So after you've gone to the therapist, learned yourself, right? The next one is staging, absolutely staging. And you not only need it for others looking at you, but you're looking at you, right? So you got to do that paint job. The fresh coat of paint is amazing. So what is that? So brighten your teeth, get some Crest strips, throw on an exfoliating mask. And then in staging, we always, you know, we sage. So we take a little sage and we wave it around and it kind of gets out the bad juju and in juju. So what do you do for yourself? You get in a salt bath right? They've been using salt <laughs> for centuries. Look at, look at the Dead Sea. People go on pilgrimages there because it's so sacred. But that salt kind of washes away. And it's also self-care. Light beautiful candles, put on beautiful music, have a date with yourself. 
because once you connect to your property, then there's this passion that comes through, which is the next step, which is turn your lights on. When I go show a property, I turn on every single light I can get my hands on, literally the microwave light. That's like, why, why, why is that? That is true, isn't it? Lighting is everything. And you know, they say in Hollywood, become best friends with the lighting director. Uh Because they can make you look at like that white light that is not so pretty or that beautiful light. Yeah. It's lighting is everything. And a good real estate broker always knows when the absolute best moment to show a property is. People call up and say, you know, I'd like to come at two o'clock. And you know, at 2.35, the sun will stream, especially in New York with all the buildings, right? I might have 50... 50 minutes of direct sunlight. And you're like, is there any way you can come at like 2.30 and maybe be a little late? <laughs> so same, right? And, and turning on our own lights is knowing our property well enough, knowing ourselves well enough. When we're not stimulated, we get a little dull, right? Yeah. We're kind of not on. Our lights are dim. That's not attractive. But when we do things that we love and you got to know what you love because only you should know that. Cooking right? Running, biking, listening to podcasts. If you're stimulating, then all of a sudden you're passionate, you're alive, your lights are on. And my mom always used to say, boring people get bored and Mm -hmm. interesting people are interested. People are interesting. So that follows that line to turn on your lights. And then- That that is so funny because my, the first day that I went on with my husband, which was awful for both of us. Terrible, terrible, terrible first date was on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock. We went out for a bottle of wine. I get up at two or three in the morning. So eight o'clock might as well have been one. I was over it before we started. And then I had the wine without food and it was terrible. It was, but you know what? That was not the time for my light. It was the wrong location. It was the wrong time. It was the wrong location. My light was more like the early bird special back then. (laughs) 5.30 a.m. Um, what are you doing at 4 p.m.? Food is cheaper. <laughs> no, I mean, like, what are you supposed to Early do? Early bird special. I That's could save right. you some bucks. That is right. But but you're right. Like set yourself up to be your best self at that time. Yeah. And you know what that time is for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And then the, the other one that I love because I am a little bit OCD is exercising your ghosts, right? You got to get rid of the ghosts in the house. Okay, so what does that? that mean? This is very poltergeist now. I love this. Right? <laughs> go through all the closets. I really am a tyrant with my sellers about, I'm like, you're going to move this anyway. You're going to move all of this. So split it up. You're going to do that closet on Monday. You're going to do that closet on Tuesday. Here are your bins to donate. Do it. If you haven't worn it in a year, get rid of it. Uh-huh. Because I want, when people open up the closets, first of all, I'd like it all color coordinated with the hangers going all the same way, but you want it to feel fresh and not stuffed. A stuffed closet, you're like, oh God, the whole feeling of the house should feel like, isn't this amazing? They're not moving because they've grown out of the space. You should never feel that way. So what does that mean in our own lives? It's getting rid of things that aren't serving you anymore. Certainly go through your closets. That's without saying, but like, what's not serving you anymore? Habits that aren't serving you, right? Maybe drinking late at night when you have an early morning get up, that's not going to serve you. Knowing sleep, giving yourself. It always seems like a good idea at the time though. (laughs) I know it does. 
I know, but again, journaling, journaling Mm -hmm. what works for you in connecting to your property, journaling, hey, I had a terrible day and guess what? I was so exhausted. All my ghosts came in saying, I'll always be alone. You're never going (laughs) to (laughs) lose And that happens when we're exhausted and we're tired, right? Yes. Not the not the fuel for champions. So, yeah. you know, what were your ghosts? Steps. What did you have to get rid of it? That what did oh, you have to get rid of during those years? You know, I, oh God, I had so many ghosts. One, I felt so guilty because I was the one that initiated the divorce. And really, is that who you are? You're the person that leaves. And that's a hard when I am, I am not that person, but I, I knew for the both of us in order to really find happiness in both of our lives, I had to let him go. And the other one was, I've always wanted children. And I was 32 and those years were spinning by. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to have kids. I'm always going to be like the babysitter and the aunt. Um, So those were the things like, I'm not going to realize my dream. I'm going to be alone. And I'm the youngest child and I've always really uh, hated being alone. (laughs) Were were you afraid of being at the kids table? Like indefinitely? I was. I was always at the kids' table. Up I bet you were the queen of the kids' table, though. Because, like, I could I can imagine you were a hoot at the kids' table. We had so much fun. I was always, always in the kids' room when we went on vacation. I slept with, you know, I have six nieces and nephews. So I was always in that room. And I loved that. I loved that. I loved yeah. being their auntie. But um, I did want my own family. So those were my ghosts of like, you know, like, like Jerry Maguire alone. 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 You're always going to be alone. <laughs> Next up is knowing your marketing plan. How do you decide your marketing plan? Well, first of all, you do not launch until you have done all of those steps previously. Knowing when to launch is, I cannot say it enough. In real estate, if you launch before you're ready, we call that a botched launch. And, and I have never seen a building recover from a botched launch. It can cost millions and millions of dollars. And I launched too soon on my dates and I would, I cried. I believe that's called a rebound. Because they, <laughs> <laughs> because they asked me too many questions and I could tell that I was too sensitive. My, my cement of my foundation was still wet. And they were like, so why did you get divorced? And I tried to explain that I wasn't the type of person that would leave, but, and you know, you're talking to a stranger (laughs) and it's so personal. So the timing of launching is very, very important, but when you're ready to launch, the most important thing in real estate are your photos and your marketing plan. Like, who are you and what is it that you're looking for? So what are your best attributes, but mostly what are you shopping for? You want to become a buyer and not a seller. You want to be secure in what you're selling, right? And know your best attributes are, but who are you looking for? And I'm an adventurer and I needed an an also adventurer, a very sporty person. So, you know, my photos weren't just all headshots. They were of me skiing, of me diving, of me sailing, of me biking. So that obviously just flipping through the picture, someone could see, okay, this is a, this is a sporty chick here. Yeah. But did you actually do all these things? These were like legit. I mean, this wasn't like, you know, like the college admission scandal where you like took a picture of yourself on a rowing machine or something like you actually did. No, I've been on shark dives. I, um, I I'm an advanced diver in, in Patty. So I've probably been on over 150 dives all over the world. 
So, and I'm a, you know, I was, I, yeah, I come from a very sporty family. So I do all of those things. Um, so let me tell you just quick sidebar. So I was, I was in New York a few years ago. I was running the marathon with my best friend and we end up in um, this one woman's apartment. There are about three or four women. They're all in their thirties. Yeah, no, that's not true. Half of them were in their thirties, half were in their early forties at the time. And so they, and they were all single. Some divorced, some just had never married. So they're showing me their dating stuff. Now I have been out of it for a while and the whole online dating thing was not like an option when I met my husband 16 years ago. Uh, I just, that wasn't my world, but this was very much how people are dating now. So I'm watching this whole thing and they're showing me their profiles and I'm swiping through and looking at it. I'm like, hey, so-and-so, none of this is true. <laughs> you were right. not that age. Right. Where did this picture come from? And what, right. filter, how did you, this right. is not even you, right. but everybody was doing it. So there is that thing now because so much of this happens online and like the pre-interview, right. it's like the MLS listing. I'm looking right. at the before I step foot in it. How much would you caution people about um, making the pictures look good, but also making them realistic? Listen, it's just a waste of time. You know, if I'm going to advertise, if I'm going to have false advertising, if it's really a two bedroom and I'm saying it's a three because the pantry, maybe you could put a little child bed there. They're just going to, it's just a waste <laughs> I of time. No, it I I've been to so many listings where I'm like, guys, I just feel bad that you wasted your time. That's not a third bedroom. You have to have a window and a closet and its own heating to be a legal bedroom. I just feel bad that you've wasted your seller's time and your own time with that advertising. So I, I think authenticity is so important. The only time you can stretch it a little, which I say in the book is to say, when people will ask you a question about activity, which people do in real estate, they'll be like, so, you know, have you been showing this a lot? And I can't be like, no, you're my first showing in four months because listen, luxury real estate you do not have a lot of showings normally because right. if you're a $50 million home, you're a $30 million home, there's not a ton of buyers. So you have to be confident and know showing it once every four or five weeks is actually quite normal, right? Yeah. So for yourself, what you can say is, oh gosh, yeah, there's been a lot of activity around this. We're really happy with the energy and you know the action that action could be you. That action could be you burning sage before somebody <laughs> walked in the place. It's a play on words and it's not, it's, you know, you're not stretching the truth there. You just have to be careful of what you're saying. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I do, authenticity is so important when it comes to, when it comes to dating and attraction. How much sage do you think you buy in a year? It's got to be a lot, huh? <laughs> we buy a lot of sage. We actually had someone who was our sager. Um, his father is a very famous um, a psychic, and he's got shows and he has seven books. And so he told Robert, "You got to do this. You got to sage. You should sage every single morning in the office." Well, if anyone would know, it's a famous psychic, right? Right. right? So then we got really we had done that because some people want to know, well, what else are you going to do for the listing? What else are you going to do for the listing? And I've had people tell me to take a statue and put it upside down in the plant oh, yeah. in the, in the left-hand corner. It, who is it? Is it Christopher, St. Christopher or someone? Yeah, maybe it was St. Christopher. And I, I also, can't, or is he the one who finds the lost people? I can't remember. Well, it's St. Anthony. I think St. Anthony okay. um, 
is the one that finds the last things, but I'm not exactly sure. One of them. I know. No, my one parents did that. My parents are Irish. And my I remember when we sold a house in upstate New York, I remember my mother going out and it was winter too. She went out and digged, she dug in the snow what? to go bury it. And it had to be like upside down. And you know. yes, it has to be upside down. And then seven loaves of bread, put them in a corner. I mean, listen, I have people from all over the world, from all wow. different cultures. So they'll call me and say that, you know, their astrologer said this or their Feng Shui master said that. And I just go, what do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. There's I'll buy the bread. <laughs> nothing silly. And the same thing, I, you know, I call it Dumbo and the magic feather. Listen, it, whatever gives confidence and fresh energy to a space and a person, I'm all down for that. Yeah. Because if you execute the marketing plan right, eventually you will get a bid. But knowing it's the right bid is the correct thing here. Well, you got to know your value, right? You can sell it cheap, but cheap it will be. There's a story in the book about the father and the watch that gave the yep. son of watch. Go down to the pawn shop. The pawn shop offered him $5. Go down to the secondhand st shop that they offered him $5. Go to the museum and see what they'll offer you for the watch. He came back and said, they offered me a million dollars. So you got a wrong location, wrong value. You got to know your own value in your home and in yourself. Don't sell yourself too cheap. So how did you then, because you are happily married now, how did you get to that right bid? How did you know personally that it was right? And that is, I mean, literally I've taken you through the book. <laughs> I didn't mean to spoil anything, but um, you did, through all of this, find the right house and forever home personally. How did, how did that part of it happen for you? Well, I met him in one of my listings. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, at first I just wanted to rent it. I just wasn't <clears throat> in the mindset. I just, he was so cute. So and wait a minute, he had come to a home that you own that you were listing out? So he was, there was a party that one of my clients, a Christmas party that one of my clients was throwing. And I was having an open house the next day. So we were arguing that he wouldn't be able to clean it properly in time. So it was a 6,600 square foot apartment loft in Soho. Wow. And I roped it off because I was like, you, we can only show the living room, the kitchen and one bathroom. He's like, Holly, we got to have two bathrooms. I'm like, you got one bathroom and you'll be happy <laughs> with it. My open house is at 12. What are you doing? And so it was a big party and I noticed him right away. He was talking to all the pretty girls. He was doing lots of, taking lots of showings. And I you know, <laughs> was not in a very good mood that night. So I said goodbye to my host and I walked over to the elevator, which went right to the loft as many lofts do in Soho. And I turned around, he was speaking to another beautiful woman and he kind of threw his head back and he laughed. And I was like, I hate that guy but I think I need to meet him before I leave. <laughs> so I just dragged someone over to him and I looked up and went, hi. And he said, hi. And then he said, excuse me, I need to use the restroom. So I'm like, perfect. Cause I knew there would be a line. Um, so, cause it was a big party and, you know, followed him to the bathroom. We started chatting in line. We had so much in common and that was kind of, that was it. We were off to the races. I love it. What a great story. And that's another, I mean, that's a story in itself. And if you see something, you got to go for it. There's no person that gets rejected more than a real estate broker, right? You get rejected from sellers that don't want to use you. You get rejected from buyers who don't want to come and see the apartment again. You get ghosted. 
Yeah. Right? You have to be able to get up from a rejection. And the more seeds that you plant in real estate, the more it like, you don't even remember the rejection an hour later. Cause somebody, yeah. else, you're talking to somebody else on the phone. That's exciting. And you got to apply the same thing in dating, either plant a lot of seeds with others or plant those seeds for yourself. Have exciting things that you're doing going on that you're like, actually, I don't know. I, I, mm, I'm i going on a girl's weekend this weekend, so I don't even care. I don't even care the guy's ghosting me. The book is, um, I mean, it's really, really funny, but it's also really personal. So I'm curious to know, how did the people in your life react to you being so public about a lot of stuff? And it, it, husband number one, um, he's not really directly identified, but anybody who knows you is going to be able to figure out who it was. So how did that go over? What did you say? I told him during the pandemic, right. You know, before we were about to couldn't leave his house. Nice. And he was like, Oh God, what did you say about me? And I said, well, I called you a fifth floor. I said, the worst thing I said about you was I called you a fifth floor walk up. And he said, Ooh. you're being kind. I'm at least, a si- I was, I was, cause he's not that person anymore. Right. That I, I was at least a six floor walk up. And so he got the box. My mom got it first. Cause I was worried that, you know, she's a tough cookie and I, I painted her that way, but she's proud of it. She knows like she has three kids. She was hard on those kids and we're all successful and we're not living at home. So she did mm-hmm. something, right? That's a win. <laughs> they were living with me. They were living with me during the pandemic. So they're, they're proud of that. And um, she's, she was, she, she was totally fine with the way that I painted her. And he wrote a really beautiful review on Amazon. He did it under his wife's name. Yeah. Taryn Slocum. And he wrote just the most kind review of the book and he loved it, which just, I, I had that goal um, while I was writing it. I said, I do not want to hurt feelings here. I do not want to hurt his feelings or my mom's feelings in telling this story. And thank God both love the book. Yeah, no, I can see how that, yeah, and your mother really struck me as like a parent. She's a parent. Oh, you know, yeah. like very different than way, I think not, the, the way a lot of relationships are now. She's a mom. She's your mother. She's, oh yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, I don't, I don't think we have a name for it in New England, but in Asia, they call them tiger moms mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 who don't believe in compliments. They're like, get back up there. And uh-huh. yeah, but they do love you. The uh, New England tiger mom, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I adore them. So what's been like the, the most exciting thing about having this book out there? Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny because I had a little help this morning with my makeup and the makeup artist has, has been here before and she's had a breakup and it's exciting for people to reach out like her and say, your book is helping me so much. And I now see that I need to connect to my own property. I need to pull it off the market and fix my foundation and do these steps before looking for love. Because the real message that I want to convey is once you connect to your property in the book, I became my own best friend through, I had a friend divorce, which is very sad for me, but I connected. I'm my own best friend now. And I went away with a bunch of girls on a girl's weekend and we married ourselves. We actually had a ceremony. Some were already- Was there sage? There was sage, there were (laughs) vows, there was dress up. I love it. Cliffs of Mexico. And um, we married ourselves, we made vows. And that is the theme of the book, to be your own best friend and marry yourself. And when you do those two things, 
you become so attractive to everything and everyone around you. And that's what happens with the property. You know, all of a sudden a property and at you guys, honestly, I probably have 200 examples of this. A property sits and sits and sits. And we always say, perfect your property and fix your, fix your price. And all of a sudden, there'll be a moment, these buyers don't know each other, but in the span of 48 hours, we'll have three people bidding on it after it sat there for, you know, sometimes a year and a half, two years. How do you explain that the energy happens all so close together? And that is, you got to connect to your property. You got a stage, you got to turn on your lights, right? And a fresh coat of paint can make a totally different perspective. So, you know, wouldn't that be great if everywhere you went, you were home? Because oh, yeah. Well. I love that idea of marrying your friends. That is like, that should be your next book. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot well, of what marrying, you're talking marrying about. Yourself, marrying yourself. Marrying yourself first. But yeah. like a lot of what you're talking about, yeah, we're talking about a romantic partner, but I think it has a lot to do with just the people that you associate, period, and your friend group, which I think for a lot of us has really shrunk this year by necessity, yeah. or maybe because you finally can, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And it's like, it's really like kind of weeding it out and saying, who am I? But also who do I want to be around these people? Yeah, and, I think and you're you're really the sum great advice. You're the sum of the people around you. And I think, you know, during COVID, what I've heard over and over is people saying, you know, some people were let down by different relationships, but they've really narrowed who and what is important in their lives. And I would say that is one of the best lessons that we can we can take away, which is it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And mm -hmm. there are balcony people and there are basement people. Balcony people pull you up. And when you go, when you come from being with them, you feel recharged and excited and invigorated. And basement people are misery loves company. And they're, you know, maybe jealous or not giving you the best energy or always whining and complaining. And you come away from those people really kind of, they were there, energy vampires. So more towards the balcony people, right? Yeah. More towards the balcony people and more of an exchange. And I talk about my dad being in finance for so long. He was a partner in an investment firm and he really raised me with that focus. But it may sound a little crass, but it's it's important the exchange of money is important, right? You get something, you give something. And I'm just using that to explain relationships. It can't just be one-sided. You can't, my dad calls it one-way tennis. You can't play <laughs> one-way tennis. You give, they give. You give, mm -hmm. they give. It needs to, listen, we all have times where we need more, but this is if there's a repetitive, constant, one-way relationship, listen, it can happen with family and family's family. And you, know, you resuscitate your friends as long as you can, but if you're constantly being brought down, you got to minimize that. So what's next? Oh, maybe a second book. I've yeah. been in talks with some agents about a back on the market show, which would be very I exciting. Think that could be I can see your show. I mean, you're like a therapist, counselor, slash getting them in and out of the right homes. Right? It could right? be really good. Right? And it can, it can be, be really exactly good. what happens to me because people show up on my door. They've been widowed 
or they've been divorced, they don't understand money. Their husbands did it all for them or a man, you know, who lost his wife is just kind of wide eyed and heartbroken. And I help them move forward in their life. So it's not really unlike what I've been doing for 25 years. Yeah, I've been in the top 10 for the last 15 years or number one or two for the last five years. So um, I'm really good at that. And I'd like to swing it on over to the <laughs> I would watch that show. Okay. One final thing I have to ask you about, because you and I both did something during the pandemic that I'm guessing neither one of us ever would have thought we would do. And that is we started raising chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Read about this on your website. I was just saying this morning, they said, my kids are like, I want an egg. And we were out of eggs. And I said, see, we should have winterized the chickens because we gave them back for the winter, but we're getting them back in a month. And I'm like, if only the chickens were still here. Would you ever have thought you would find joy in raising chickens? My God, I had so much fun with those chickens. They were so funny. They used to knock on the door and the window. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. they're like, hello, hello. It's the <laughs> afternoon where you usually feed us. What's going on? Endless, were- endless entertainment. Just endless. sitting there staring at them entertainment endless I just love them so much I can't wait to get it my husband's like does not like the idea at all um because he's usually the one like moving the coop around but I want to get all kinds of chickens oh yeah so beautiful yeah well then you got to market the whole thing you know how this goes (laughs) turn on the lights in the coop Um, Holly it's just been a real joy and I have so so enjoyed the book and and laughing with you today you have this incredible speaking of lights you are a light and have this amazing energy so what are the best ways for people to keep in touch with you before you get this big show and you don't have time to talk to us anymore It's gonna, it is happening. I have no You're doubt so about cute. it. You're so cute. Um, you can go to hollyparker.com and learn a little bit about my life. You can also order the book there. Um, and, or you could go to hollyparker underscore NYC to follow me on Instagram. And we, we keep you entertained with chicken stories and other stories, hopefully that will help you move forward in life. And the book is available everywhere right now. And the book is available everywhere. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, Bye. Bye. I've been getting a lot of questions lately, wondering how do people end up on a podcast? Like, how do you connect with somebody like a Holly Parker? So here's the backstory of how that happens. Elise Silvestri is a media trainer, publicist type person who reached out to me last summer. And she's the person who connected me with Joan London for that awesome interview that we did back in July. She reached out and said, I have another client, and if you enjoy Joan, I know you'll love Holly. And I took a quick look at her website, said, absolutely, can you shoot me a copy of the book so I can read it? And she was right. (laughs) I mean, obviously, absolutely loved my hour with Holly Parker. What energy. So I tell you this because if you are somebody who creates content, maybe you do a blog, maybe you have a podcast, or maybe you do an internal communication for your office, for your workplace, a newsletter, an email blast, it is really great to find people like in Elise Silvestri because they can be a great source of content for you. So when you find those people who you really trust their judgment and they really get what it is that you're doing, and they won't let you down. It's it's a wonderful collaboration. And if you if somebody connects you with somebody, tell them. Tell them how great it was. 
And then always extend the invitation to say, hey, if you have somebody else you think would be good for me, let me know. So thank you, Elise. You were right. Holly was so much fun, and I learned so much. Thanks to everybody who's been leaving a review for the Dying to Ask podcast, wherever you happen to be listening to this right now, because as Holly just told you, marketing is everything. And you guys are the best for getting the show out there. You can reach out to me at runreadsip on Instagram. And again, thank you so much for listening today. And we'll catch you next time on Dying to Ask.